0: I think part of it really is just find a good mentor. John was a really good mentor to all of us and taught us a lot. So I think in your book, you mentioned that, um, for the noobs, it's just find somebody that is doing the right things at work in sales that you want to do. That's having not just one month of success or two months of success, but continued success and just go figure out what they're doing. Right. right? Right. And do what they're doing. Yeah. Right. And, um, and you know the behaviors and the attitude and the techniques and all that stuff—the stuff you taught us at a really, really young—you know—coming in right out of college. But those transferred, right? Right? They—they they transfer as you go and as you as you grow. And it's really—I remember um, coming in, you know, thinking in sales. Well, gosh, I think I can make a lot of money here, and I was financially motivated. And you know, a year in. We were doing so well, we were, we were outperforming anybody, else. people that were coming out of law school and what else, we were making a lot of money.
1: Welcome back to Noob School. This is where we interview successful business owners and we dial it back to the beginning and figure out what they did to make their revenue grow. All right, welcome back to Noob School. Today I've got all-time favorite, one of the greats I've ever worked with, and a really good friend,
0: Dustin Caudell. Welcome, Dustin. John, thank you so much for having You're me. You're welcome. I'm super excited about being Absolutely. here.
1: Absolutely. Well, Dustin is uh, somebody I recruited right out of Clemson. He's a, a long line of Clemson pikas. Exactly. So right. crazy people. Yeah. Crazy, good crazy, good, a good. I would say a good kind of crazy, but crazy nonetheless. Craziest of the fraternities over there, um, but yeah. Um, so so delighted to have met you back then, and I'll never forget when I interviewed you. I think I already knew I wanted to hire you because you were Clemson, you were from Greenville, you were a Pica. Some of the people that I already worked with us knew you, and they were mm-hmm. like, "You're going to like Dustin." So I, was, oh, I think I'll like him. And then I saw that you worked at a clothing shop. In Clemson,
0: so yeah. how long did you work there? I worked there pretty much throughout the college tenure there, four okay. years. It was good. How did you get the job? So um, I had a friend who had a job there that referred me in, and I went and met the guy that owns the shop, yeah. Steve Petite. Great shop, M.H. Frank, still there. Go by there if you're in Clemson. Best men's shop around. Yeah. And uh, and so got referred by a friend of a friend, and uh, and that's, You worked there wait, four wait, years. Four years. So, unlike most of the people I was hiring, you had four
1: years of sales experience. Mm-hmm. I did. And when he showed up, he was wearing some really nice shoes. Or I was wearing some shoes. One of us, was it me? You were. Yeah, you I want to know what you thought of the shoes. Yeah. yeah. That was your big question. Yeah. And they were Aldens. Aldens. Okay. Yeah, they good were really memory. good shoes. Yeah. They take a while to break in, though. They do. And that was my problem. They, mm-hmm. were, they were, I was going through a close phase, and <laughs> it didn't last very long, but it gave us something in common to talk about. It did. Yeah, so that's cool. And I and again for the noob school folks, I think uh, you know getting a job, you know well before you're going to get your first sales job, getting a job in sales. Oh yeah, I mean it gives you a huge leg
0: up on the competition. Yeah, I mean I learned a lot in that little part time job there. Um, you know you had people coming and buying suits who were important people. And, you know when you were in college, you got to learn how to talk to them. Yeah, and uh, and sort of the you know shoulder to shoulder. Mono a mano, folks a lot older than you right. that you were talking to about whatever they did in their businesses. So right. all that was super helpful.
1: Yeah. In that situation, I mean before long you were the expert and they were they were they were asking you for advice on, yeah. on type of suit and cut and pinstripes and all that stuff. They were amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Because that that goes you know, something that we teach the noobs all the time. They struggle with, you know, the equal business stature. They're used to thinking, well, I'm 22, and this guy's 50. It's like my dad's age, and you feel this, and you can't feel that. Mm -hmm. You have to get over that. Right.
0: You absolutely do. And the more you do it, you know, the more you put yourself in the situation, the easier it is. And you you, you start to learn from them, too, because they have interesting stories. All you have to do is ask them about themselves, right? Right. Meet some really interesting people.
1: Well, you were particularly good at that always. You're always good at dealing with the high-level money people. That probably was helpful early on was having all those Discussions. Yeah, when you look backwards, it probably was. Yeah. Right. So you started with us, 93, 94? Yeah. And you were an inside salesperson, and I think we gave you, not,
0: this could be, was it Ohio? You gave me the other part of California that Vetzel didn't have. So was that northern? Uh, he had, I think he had northern, I had southern. Okay, well that's, you yeah. know, that's not bad. No, not bad at all. Weird time zone. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was good. I got to learn from him, the pro, the California <laughs> pro. And it was it was really, you know, I'll never, I'll never forget. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity from John and from Larry to come in. And, you know, uh, how do you get into sales? Well, I already was in it. At, I liked it. And uh, I majored in accounting and finance and always joked that I did enough of that that I realized when I got out, I did not want to do that. Right, <laughs> And I, I really enjoyed, you know, sales at, at the clothing store. And uh, I was thumbing through a book in the Clemson library where I didn't spend probably enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found a, a little book of the fastest growing companies in South Carolina, and DataStream was in there. Mm. And Larry was Clemson. You know, he had yeah. Clemson uh, yeah. PhD, right? Yeah. It, yeah. And, and, yeah. Um, and so I sent a cover letter there, and that's how I got hooked up so with he you. gave it to me. He gave it to you. So that's another thing, Dustin. You,
1: you did a little bit. Of, well, accounting undergrad is so smart finance
0: finance finance.
1: most of the salespeople don't understand this i put it in my book and i talk about it some But of course i didn't do it but you know if you want to get big money from a company or from a business owner you need to understand their business and how it's going to make them money mm-hmm. and if you don't then you're just you know you're just some some pesky guy saying hey you want to buy two caseloads of this stuff i mean oh yeah you know it's like i figured out how to change this process with this stuff and make you an extra eight hundred grand per
0: quarter? Yeah, that's it's so important, right? right. And so that's sort of uh, as you get into enterprise sales, that becomes the most important thing. The uh, when I first started, you were such a great mentor um, with me and with Todd and with Pace and um, you know all the other folks that you recruited. But you know before you got to there, when we were selling, you know, sort of line level software. All those things in the noobs book are super important, um, you know, just to show up, Yeah. how to be a professional, right? You taught all of us that, like we were, you know, coming in, and you taught us the importance of showing up, how to be a pro, how to look right, how to talk right. And, the you know, the taping sessions, yeah. I still, still remember those, having yeah. to bring the tape to your office. I know that was painful. Tape. Painful. Yeah. It was painful if you had a bad tape, but you had good tapes. And every once in a while you could use the same one twice and you wouldn't remember I it. know, I know, <laughs> I know.
1: It got so bad toward the end. They had so many reps, Dustin, and some of them talked so long. I'd do double speed. It's just, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, I, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. You're gone. Well, that's cool, man. That's cool. So, But I think having a finance or accounting degree undergrad is, is really strong. Even better would be if you were, like, really into, let's say, um, lumber, you know, and or let's say sports marketing. Mm-hmm. And if you had like an accounting and sports marketing double major, or one's a minor, and you went into sports marketing as an agent or something, and you you know what you understand the money part. I mean, it's it's doing something. And people talk about college today how the old fashioned just I'm going to go get a liberal arts degree and figure it out later. Mm-hmm. It's kind of if it's not dead, mm-hmm. you know, it's not it's not feeling so well. Yeah, people need if they're going to go to college they need to have some purpose.
0: They're getting ready for something. That's right. Specialty. Something that you're passionate about. Yeah. Something that you want to learn. Um, the uh, the business background. You know, at Clemson was really good. Finance and did a little bit of accounting. Um, those were those are really good things to help me understand. Just to be able to talk to other people about business. Yeah. Business owners. Business department leaders in the business. know yeah. uh, Those are. Those were all well-rounded skills to help me in sales a lot.
1: So when you when you we started at inside sales, this is the time I would say Dustin was at least playing the role of a noob. You're I, probably beyond a noob because you had four years. I was a start. noob. Okay, I was a noob.
0: All right. So what was that like starting out? It was uh, it was exciting. It was it was scary too because like you know we were selling software. I didn't know a lot about software at the time. And I sure didn't know much about maintenance, right? And so those yeah. were things I had to learn a little bit about and. and um, and get to know, you know, like you were saying, what, what makes those things tick, and why it's important in the business. So, yeah, those things were, were uh, exciting, but they were a little scary when you're coming in, trying to pick that up, and you're trying to do a good job at it. And uh, anyway, you you really have to have a lot of uh, a lot of stick to it, and a lot of work ethic, and show up, and yeah. really just you know make the calls and learn from the people you're talking to. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so, how long were you in that role before you got promoted?
0: oh that's a good question john we were growing pretty quickly um so maybe a year a year and a half that's pretty quick and you went to manager or corporate 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 so we we went from you know there to selling bigger solutions and then we had a small team of people selling bigger solutions and um, me and mike cannon and bradley and then keith smith and a couple other people
1: so it's a good point for the noobs dustin was well prepared to come work at our company we we're selling software to maintenance departments and he did well did all the right stuff his first year and a half or two and then got promoted all of a sudden he's an outside salesperson yeah makes more money travels around amazing yeah it and, was and amazing now what's important about that for them to learn because clearly they want to be on that path you did the homework and picked a good company yeah companies growing fast is more likely to promote people faster More opportunities absolutely Um, and then you prepared yourself in college and then once you got the job you you did the right things and I can't remember all the great things you did but if you ever did something wrong I would have remembered it (laughs) like if you were a jackass or you know couldn't get to work on time or you know you know did something really you you avoided all that and just just kind of kept doing the right stuff and then you got your promotion
0: well, I think part of it really is just find a good mentor. John was a really good mentor to all of us and taught us a lot. So I think in your book, you mentioned that um, for the noobs. It's just find somebody that is doing the right things at work in sales that you want to do, that's having not just one month of success or two months of success, but continued success. Yeah. And just go figure out what they're doing. Right. Right. And, right. and do what they're doing. Yeah. Right. And, um, and you know the behaviors and the attitude and the techniques and all that stuff is stuff you taught us at a really really young, you know, coming in right out of college. But those transferred, right? Right? They they transfer as you go and as you as you grow. And it's really, I remember um, coming in, you know, thinking in sales. Well, gosh, I, I think I can make a lot of money here, and I was financially motivated. And you know, a year in we were doing so well, we were we were outperforming anybody, else. people that were coming out of law school and what else, we were yeah. making a lot of money, yeah. right? And uh, and that was pretty fun. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years, you're flying around in planes all over the country talking to other business people and you're, you know, 24 years old. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Or maybe even overseas. Yeah. I mean, I met you in France a few times that's for, right. that's
1: for right. a deal. Michelin, yeah. Michelin? Yeah, Michelin. Yeah, well, that's good, Dustin. I think it's a great, so many great lessons from Dustin today. So, so pay attention. But one of them is finding people older than you. Let let's just say it doesn't have to be older; it's usually older. But someone who's already at some place that you'd like to get to, owning a company, VP of sales, international sales, whatever it is, and see if they'll be kind enough to mentor you and just just say, "Oh, don't do that; do this." I mean, for me, it's pretty easy to tell a noob. How to get started? Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen it so many
0: times. Yeah, super important. You know, once you find that connection, they're usually willing to help you, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you know, good, good folks are usually willing to help you, and um, and just look at what they're doing and do the same thing, right? So, tell us about
1: 24, 25 years old, and we did give you a different territory. I think this time it was Ohio. Yeah, maybe so. Because your girlfriend. Was going to school up there. Yeah, now now my
0: wife. Your wife, yeah. Your wife now. now. My wife. Indiana. Indiana. Okay. Indiana. Yeah. Indiana. Now where was she in school? Michelle was in school at the University of Indianapolis, getting okay. her occupational therapy degree, and they needed somebody to, to, to manage and sell in the Midwest, and I raised my hand.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I took full credit for that. You I pulled it, some strings, it, Dustin. It was awesome. Well, it's it good. So what was it like going from, you know, smiling and dialing, selling on the phone to being in person with People wearing suits in conference rooms and such.
0: Oh, yeah. It was a whole whole second wave of learning. Yeah. Right. So And you had a different instructor for that. Oh, yeah. Scott, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, back on the gratitude side, we had great people coming into the company. And and, um, and my next sort of mentor at DataStream was Scott Millwood. And he, he really taught me how to, you know, work in an enterprise fashion and sell a big deal. Yeah. Right, and he taught me about value-based selling, taught the whole, you know, our team. Mm-hmm. So we had a good little team, and we were doing well. And then Scott came in, and he organized us and taught us about sales process in terms of enterprise sales process, value-based selling, which you hit on already. Yeah. You know, how do we help this customer? What, what questions do we ask? Like, what kind of problems does he have, and how are we helping him solve his problems? And you know, how are we helping him either save money or make more money? And, um, and he was really instrumental in, in getting our small corporate sales team at the time dialed in on that. And uh and so that was that was hugely important um at that time in our growth and that took off for us. Yeah. Right. So yeah. we inside sales took off, um, and then, you know, splitting that into new prospect and abs yeah. really that was a big. big catalyst and then you know, moving into the enterprise sales with that corporate sales team, they were all growing really, really fast yeah. in that sort of leading up to the two thousand in that time frame. Uh,
1: what well, you just mentioned. You know, we had a bunch of—I don't know—maybe it was, let's say, 20 salespeople inside, and they all were calling new prospects and existing customers. And I'll never forget our our CEO used to complain that some of the people would would call the prospects, and they would never call the customer. And some of the people would just call the customer and never call the prospects. And we would try everything to make them call the correct mix, and finally. I don't know what genius came up with it, but it was like, why don't we just split them? The ones that like calling customers, let's do, you know. And so we tried doing that and the sales for those 20 people, well, we were able to hire
0: 20 more people. We were. 20 stayed with customers and 20 went to prospect and the number just doubled. Yeah, and if I'm remembering it right, I think me and JB were the first two. Y'all tried it. He, he, I was prospecting. He was abs. Okay, that's right. And all right. of a sudden, it worked. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. The experiment. Worked. Were you
1: still on inside then?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because JB was one of those people who liked the customer. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. So, how long in corporate sales? So. One of the things in your in the noobs book and for the noobs is picking the right company, and, and you already mentioned that. But the company was really growing, so it afforded me a lot of opportunity to grow with the company. And so, you basically in a company like that, you can write your own ticket if you're good at it, yeah. right? I mean, if you're good at selling, and the company's growing, then the company's going to say, "Well, hey, are you interested in going to do this?" And you're like, "Well, yeah, that might be interesting. Yeah. I go do it." And so. Um, our, our inside business kept evolving, and we had great leaders there, managers there, great team members there. And then the corporate business kept evolving. And so and the next step for me was managing a team of corporate salespeople there. So I was wow. a regional manager for the Midwest. And what, how old were you then? Oh, that couldn't have been 1996, 1997-ish. In there. <laughs> like 27? Yeah, 27, somewhere And you were a manager? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. And we had... Uh, <laughs> Maybe maybe uh, 1998 somewhere in there, and then we were adding great corporate salespeople, and you know we had promotions going on from inside sales to corporate sales, and I was I was fortunate enough to have a lot of great salespeople on that corporate. Uh, Who was sales on your team? team? Who were some of the good ones? Garrett, Garrett. Sizer, wow. John Ellison. Yeah, um, we just had we had a bunch of a bunch of really good yeah. good people on that team. Well, those guys
1: are just still selling monster deals now. Oh yeah, different companies. Yeah.
0: So that was what I did next after after being a corporate sales rep. I was a corporate sales manager and then um, was managing all of corporate sales uh, in 2000. So. And then I mean, weren't you still doing that when we sold? So there was a lot of what, stuff. What, that we did hypercure, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, <laughs> we did. There was hypercure years. <laughs> okay. So I managed corporate sales in North America um, in like 99 to 2000. And then we went to iProcure, and I worked in iProcure for a couple of years, built a new division, of data stream e-commerce division, of data stream, yeah. and then back into corporate sales leadership, and yeah. corporate sales management, as VP of sales yeah. when we were bought. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We had a great, we had a little left turn there with a little de- e-commerce division. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, but it was kind of crazy, crazy time.
0: It was crazy times, but it was it was really interesting. You know, we were. Well positioned to take advantage of that MRO and yeah. all the spin for those guys, because yeah. we were, you know, we had created this massive company that knew all those people that bought the stuff.
1: We had our our product, as I recall, was used. Let's just say, you know, fifty thousand companies around the world used our product to to manage their maintenance departments, and the collective amount of inventory that they purchased through our system. And kept track of in our system was like twenty-five trillion dollars. It's massive. It's like this unbelievable yeah. number. And so we're trying to get our little piece of the rock. So we were. <laughs> and I think you know it's just the scale to make that happen is like a Google scale. Yeah. You got to have so much money. You got to have ten thousand engineers and mm-hmm. so many servers. And I think we should do, next time we get the chance. <laughs> You know, we should outsource that to somebody and just take a sliver instead of trying to do it. We did all right with it. We did all right with it. Still, it still works. <laughs> it works. Yeah, there's a great story. We talk about equal business stature, particularly with, you know, a younger salesperson and an older kind of manager you're selling to and, and how people need to get comfortable with that. And Dustin had a great example. I saw it my own eyes. <laughs> so we fly up to Detroit, and we're meeting with um, – you know, a Fortune 50 company that's a big supplier to Automotive Ford, I think. And the, the senior buyer in his suit, he's just like, so, hello, John, you know, hello, John, I give him my card. He goes, hello, Frank, he gives him his card. He goes, hello, Dustin, do you have a card? And Dustin goes, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy was just like, mm, okay. And so the point is that Dustin did not, because of his age, he didn't cower and say, I'm sorry I don't have one. I lost my cards, or I'm new, or I just got back from a trade. you could have, yeah. People kind of back up and make all these excuses. Yeah. He just said
0: no. The honest thing was I didn't have one because yeah. I was brand new in the division, and yeah. I, I didn't want to have to explain that. Right. right? And no. so I just said no yeah. and didn't explain. Yeah.
1: But I think that on. going back to your experience in college at that at that clothing square helped you with being comfortable dealing with older people. Mm-hmm. So, it, sur- it certainly did. Um so, we sold the company in 2006. So that means you had like a 15, 16-year run? Mm, yeah. That's Fair pretty about. cool. Yeah. And then you did a couple of things after we sold, and then you eventually joined me with a, an adventure, and you ran sales for Foxfire for how many years did we do that? Maybe nine. Nine? nine
0: eight or nine. What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, it was... uh we had we had some great experiences there too we had some great experiences there
0: too we sure did learn a lot there
1: yeah we did we did i tell you one thing i've learned it is it's it's much easier to sell if you have like a a bigger company with a lot of momentum Mm -hmm. it's like stuff just kind of eases out of the woodwork Mm -hmm. you
0: have a little company yeah like it's like crickets yeah a lot more challenging when you're trying to sell something big from a smaller company because they want to know about your size and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I think and you don't,
1: and you don't right. have the, uh, you know, if you've been in business 15 or 20 years, you have this big network of people that you know that everyone kind of knows you. And right. so anyway, it was, uh, but again, it's a good way to learn because we had to, we had to hustle a lot more. We did.
0: We absolutely did.
1: Um, and then you got a great offer, as I recall, from a company in the, in the software space to run a team based on the West Coast. It included a global team. You had a guy in Singapore. Yeah. And anywhere else in, in That's right. Yeah, we Europe? we
0: had you know, by the time I finished up there, we'd we'd had partners and people in Singapore and in Europe and in other places in Asia and Middle East. Yeah. So all over the all over so the world. So you
1: were managing a global network of salespeople for this company. And and, and partners. And partners for like six or seven years. Yeah. Would that be similar to your experience? I mean, Foxfire would have been smaller. We we, we had just partners you were managing yeah. for the most part. We had some salespeople. Datastream, you had lots of individual salespeople. This place was kind of a mix.
0: Mm-hmm. What was that like? It was good. So, the, uh, the the sales in North America were primarily direct, and the sales in in uh, in the rest of the world were primarily indirect through partners. Okay. So okay. we had really good channel partners there that represented us in the local countries and. And um, and so I I gained a, you know a fair amount of international experience there that I didn't have um, on the data stream side. It was pretty much all domestic for me. I know you did some really good tours internationally, but I didn't have a lot of uh, global experience right. at data stream. and So um, I really got to to work hard with those partners internationally and learn a lot about that. So that was that was really fun.
1: What are some of your takeaways for the for the noob school in terms of working with international partners?
0: Yeah. So I, I think you know, the biggest is always try to see things from their perspective, right? I mean, they, they're they in different cultures and different places and they operate in different ways and you gotta take the time to learn a little bit about that, yeah. you know? And when you're dealing with, you know, a, a partner in, in their company in France and the people that they support, it's yeah. different than the US and um, and in Japan, you know, or in Singapore. So, yeah, they're just nuances in how, how they do business and and, um, and I think, you, you know, you don't you you don't know everything, so you got to continue to learn. And yeah. I think those were the biggest okay. biggest things. Is really really try to learn what you can from from those key people. And then
1: how overall, how do you feel about like when you took over the sales team to where you left it in good. terms of growth and everything, the company
0: growth? Yeah, really good. We we did well. We um we really increased everybody's um, sort of throughput in terms of their averages. Yeah, we grew um, super. Yeah, really. Company
1: good. Company grew pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Good. And so now that you've done that, you're kind of back in Greenville and you're doing some coaching and consulting around around the area, I imagine. I don't know. Uh, but you're doing that while you're looking for your next kind of VP of sales kind
0: of opportunity? Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life when I grow up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so one of the things that I learned is, you know, it, it's really, and I, I was afforded great opportunities with John and with a lot of other folks, but you know, it's a lot about the people, yeah. right? The business is about the people. Um, it's also about products, but working with a great company with great people is uh, is really fun. Yeah, and those aren't super easy to find every day, mm-hmm. right? You got to spend some time and and make sure that you know w- what you want to do and then who you want to work with. And so that's what I'm working on now, trying to figure out what I want to do next with the with the team of people I want to do it with. Next. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, think about it. I mean, you really
0: you've, you've you've had some great experiences, but it's really only been with three companies. Mm-hmm. That's kind of amazing. It is sort of amazing. In today's world, you know, you look at folks, and they they might have been with fifteen companies, right? And I've been with three. <laughs> really, really pretty interesting.
1: Oh man, that's crazy. Well, um, well, let me ask you this: uh, Is there any any head trash you can recall that you had when you were, you know, coming up through this, where you thought something about selling or sales or managing, and you for sure it was true. Well, then, once you experienced
0: it, you're like, "Oh, that was just head trash. That's not true at all." Yeah, there's some there's some really good ones, but the, I think you know one of the the ones that a lot of good salespeople make are the idea that they have to try to sell all of them. Hmm. Right? You yeah. just get that in your you, you know right. you have some success and you right. believe that everybody should buy what you have. Yeah. And everybody should be a buyer, and it, it probably is furthest from the truth. Right? Yeah. Not everybody needs what you have. Um, not everybody's ready to – maybe they do need it, but they don't know they need it yet. Yeah. They're not quite ready yeah. and don't understand it yet. So that was probably one of the biggest things is, is that, you know, later on you realize that not – you know, you, you don't have to sell every one of them. And, in fact, you're probably making it harder on you if you're not doing a really good job qualifying and trying to pick the right ones. Yeah,
1: that's, so. a, great, that's a great head trash. I had the same thing. Mm-hmm. I used to feel like I was somehow failing – Every time I didn't close a new, a new league. Why can't we sell all 100? All of them. And, you know, Larry would say, how'd that call go? Oh, he's not going to buy. It. Oh, you know, you kind of get in trouble every time. And I, what we've, we've both learned is, you know, there's 100 prospects. You know, maybe there's 11, if we're lucky, that are ready to buy. That's right. And let's just find those 11 real quick. Right. Get That's em. right.
0: Work smart. Work smart. Right. Help me. Those are the ones that need our help. And then what would your favorite word be? So I got, I had a couple favorite words. Okay, you can do that. So I did a sales favorite word, okay. just a blast from the past. Yeah. It's a verb. It's a word. It's a made-up word. <laughs> All right. So when we uh, when we started at DataStream, there was no Salesforce yet. There was no CRM systems. Like, there were little things out there. And we had our own little database that I think – Maybe Will McEwen or somebody had made in In Paradox. paradox, Yeah. Yeah, In Paradox. And so, at the end, when you disqualified somebody who didn't sell them something, you sixed them.
1: Sixed them. Sixed. Yes, I remember that. Sixed. Sixed. A deep six, yeah. A sixed. Because they were like, a one was a customer, a two was about to buy. Yep. Three was a maybe. Four was unqualified. Yeah. Five was a partner. Partner. Remember that? I was a partner. That was like a partner. Yeah. It's almost as bad as a six. Yeah, that's what right. didn't care it's about a, partners.
0: And when so they, when, when they didn't make it, you sixed them. Yeah. So that's, that's my good. favorite sales word is six. I love sixed. it. I love it. Um, you know, a couple other words I like are privy. Privy. And zeal. Okay. I like, I like those. I love that. Privy. Be privy so to So privy something. to? Yeah. Privy
1: to in on?
0: Yeah. And on something. Zeal. Zeal. Like do you play Wordle? Michelle plays Wordle. You has got to get on that. Much, she's much better than me. I help her sometimes, but she's she crushes it. We do the Wordle
1: every day. I do it, my wife does it, and my daughter, Lizzie, does it. And so that's kind of how we stay connected. Yeah. It's who does the Wordle first every mm-hmm. day. There's a,
0: there's another one of you do you do Semantle? <laughs> You've got to try Semantle. I, I I wordle's all I can take oh. on. So I'm not that great at wordle. I'm better at semantle. Okay. So semantle, you guess a word, and it tells you if you're hot or cold, closer to the word oh, you're trying to get to, Whoa! and it keeps going, it keeps going. So I'm, I'm a little bit better than that. that How do you spell it? I think it's S-E-M-A-M-T-L-E. S-E-M-A-N-T-L-E. Semantle. Oh, like semantic. Okay. Yeah, semantics, yeah. semantle. I'll try that. And one more word, or is that it? That's it. Okay. Those are good words? Zeal, privy, and sixth. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right.
1: At least lastly uh, for the noob school folks anybody who wants to get in touch with
0: Dustin for any reason how would they do that you can certainly find me on LinkedIn and connect yeah. or you can reach out to me Dustin got caught l at gmail.com okay. gmail.com
1: well thanks for uh, for being with me on the ride so far. yeah we got a lot more to do ton more to do I don't know what it is yet.
0: But uh, that's that's part of the adventure.
1: Yeah, we'll have to have you come back, and we'll do a drill down on uh, like sometimes we'll do like deal analysis and stories and such. So we'll uh, we'll have you back for story time. Good, right. I'd love to. Thanks All for having right. me. Thank, I you, appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, Appreciate man. it, man. Yeah, there okay. you
0: go. Thank you. All right.